Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. In today's episode, I am joined again by Dorge from Fireknock and Dave Murray from Vital Limits. This is the last episode that I was able to record in person with Dave and Dorge from the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg back in February. And today's aero-specific topic is veins. Veins are an extremely technical component to your arrow. And in Dorge's words, they are the most important part of your arrow for hunters to understand. So I suggest paying close attention to what Dorge has to say about your arrow veins. There's actually going to be two episodes coming from arrow veins. This first one here, and then in a couple weeks, you'll have another one which talks more about helicals, offsets, wraps, all the current trends in building arrows. So for this episode, we're just laying out the groundworks of veins, what you need to know. Uh, Most importantly, lift versus drag, a traditional style vein versus an airfoil vein, and much, much more. So there's some really great information in this podcast. I hope you guys are getting some value out of these podcasts. I know I am learning a ton and it has me rethinking my entire bow and arrow setup, but it has me excited to finally get the most performance possible out of my setup. So without further ado, let's hop into today's podcast. All right, everyone back This is episode number three from the Great American Outdoor Show with Dorge, and we have a familiar voice and an unfamiliar face today. We have Dave Murray back with us, and today's conversation is we're moving on to the, in Dorge's words, the most important thing for a bow hunter to understand, arrow veins. Yes, the veins of an arrow. Well, most people never thought, let me start put this way. In most cases, when you deal with an arrow, when an arrow flight, if you don't have veins, that arrow is technically a spear projectile. The moment we get veins is where we make it into an arrow. Veins is a very misunderstood thing. Let me start with a few things. So people have been shooting quote-unquote arrow with feathers since the beginning of time. I will quote Professor Selig one, uh, one quote that will sort of remind, my, remind me how important vein is. People say, that's what he quotes. Bird do not fly with feathers. Bird fly with wings. And second, there is no bird we know on this planet will fly over 89 miles per hour. Our current crossbow arrows, just like the, the Raven E500, the 10.505, is traveling over 300 miles per hour. So I'll let that sink in a little bit. Then we're going to begin to talk about veins. So let me sort of bring back the history a little bit about history of veins. They're called feathers because back then the arrow is superbly inconsistent and we never actually go over 250 feet per second. That's pretty much none of the recurve can possibly do that. We're actually passing 220, you're lucky. When, uh, when, uh, when Bear made the Delta V, the first bow ever passing 300 feet per second, when the Delta V was made, a lot of things was not known. And remember, that's a 50% let off bow. And I want to bring back a few things. Vein, as, I mean, feather using as the guidance of an arrow is valid all the way up to about 260 to 270 feet per second. After that, feather is technically useless. No, I will take it back. Feather is ineffective until the speed drops down to that range. So if you decided to use feather on your recurve, 
is absolutely the best thing you can do because it has the best performance on weight and steering and recovery. The modern veins is not, I mean, the modern veins can be considered as the time when Blazer comes out, when Quickspin comes out, when you're Duravin, the AAE, and so on. Yes, every one of them is vain. The only one come close to a little bit aerodynamic conditions is the Quickspin. Unfortunately, with my research and also with explanation from quote-unquote, the best aerodynamic mind on this planet. I'm talking about Professor Lele of Stanford University, Professor Sele of Central Illinois University, who become our official final advisor. And uh, so I'll bring back a little bit. One of these days, I would like to bring Professor Sele onto our show and let him talk about aerodynamics. He is the, I was very lucky to find him. He actually, in his life, had designed 120,000 airfoils. He is not a hypersonic expert, but I don't think archery projectile will ever go for 700 plus miles per hour. 300, maybe 350, I think we're going to max out. Then in other words, I'm thinking about 600 feet per second one of these days, which should be our limit. Then we're talking everything become impossible. 350, I can see it doing it. After that, mm -hmm. it's a whole different ballgame. Now, that said, I think a lot of people do not understand how important vein is and how detrimental it is to the modern artery. First of all, people don't understand in the longer range shooting, anything over 25 yards, your vein become more and more important. Anything under 20 yards you can shoot without the vein, it will fly pretty much the same. Because at that moment, the vein is not helping your arrow to recover. Because when your arrow go into the first initial flex, the whole parabolic action, which you call an artery paradox before you go into a tight elliptical spin, Vein is not doing much except drag. It drag you down. See, with a modern vein, most of them are extruded. With the exception of quick spin, they are, they are molded with texture and also shape in it. But then we need to understand how vein works. I mean, I'm very happy that when I first doing all this, I got quite a few friends helping me to high to high speed and we get some of the information, but some of them, it just seems unreal because the number don't seem right. Then we finally find out that in most normal artery, the vein don't turn until it's about five to seven feet in front of the mm -hmm. bone. I mean, talking in the normal vein, I don't care how much helical you put on it. That's the norm. And then you put offset, helicos. I mean, of course, straight vein will turn less. But then people say, oh, the vein turned left and then the vein turned right. But then if you recall our, ep our episode about shaft, what you're really seeing is action and reaction from the torsion of the shaft, not from the vein. Usually those actions don't happen about five feet out, which means that your normal arrow do not take into the effect by the vein until five feet out. And then when the parabolic action recovered, now the vein is going to providing the rotational force to the arrow to give it the stability it needed as to travel longer. But in the process of providing stability, you also drop energy as drag. And one of the most horrific things about veins when you hunt is that they make sound. Most people just do not know how loud vein is. I mean, vein is not that bad when you're shooting about 260, 270 feet per second. The moment you go above that, you, we, we, I mean, I learned this from Professor Selig, it's about a seven course of sound in aerodynamics. Vin got all of that. The more offset, the more helical you got, the worse it is. 
one of the number one thing is filtering. So a lot of times you find out, this is easiest to find out how good your setup is. Get your buddy to shoot with you, go behind a barn and let him shoot past you. So in other words, 20 yards away from the shooting and then let it pass you 10 yards away from you in front of the target. You will recognize how loud a vein is. George, can you explain something on, um, I touch on this a lot, it would be crosswind signature. Oh, yes. That was a that's good a, one. That's a, big, that's a big deal because not only um, is it in terms of, like, accuracy, but also stability to the shaft because when you have a greater crosswind signature, the shaft can become destabilized more in flight despite the accuracy end oh, of yeah. it. You lose, a, you lose energy. Oh, no, no. That, that actually is, a, is, is about the worst condition that people don't understand. And they, they don't think of it. Everybody talk about, oh, how thin the aero shaft is and so on. Remember, we are dealing with subsonic right now, which means that when an aero at 250 feet per second, we're going to say 250, passing through the air, the action and reaction of the vein to the surrounding area, that means when an aero passing through the air, how big is a, turb a disturbed air column? That's called a crosswind signature. Okay. So think about it. If you throw a spear of, say, finger thick into the air and passing through the air, the, the air that disturbed is going to be of the finger plus maybe 5 to 10%. In the case of a feather at 250 feet a second, when you're, if the arrow is not, assuming we're talking everything here, is not when the arrow is in the artery paradox, that feather will give you a crosswind signature above 5 inches. That means you've got a column of air about five inches diameter that's affected by that vein. The moment you go to a blazer about 300 feet per second, you're looking at about six to eight inches in diameter. So in other words, if you've got an arrow that's 166 with a blazer and the arrow is 2764 with a blazer, the difference of the shaft and the crosswind signature is insignificant. Think about it. If it is six inch in diameter for the smallest, six inch plus one six six and six inch plus twenty three sixty four. <laughs> what are we talking here? That's the reason why I keep on trying to find out what the crosswind signature of the vein is. See, the crosswind signature is the action and reaction from the air encounter the vein, and the projected fluttering image of that entire column of air. People say the arrow past the arrow past the air is not a big deal. They forgot one thing. We are shooting arrow at close to 200 miles per hour. The wind is blowing at 30 miles per hour across you. What you're dealing with is that column of air that affected the aero flight. Because just like people say, well, you know, it's not really not a big deal. Talk to the truck drivers. For them, put the fin on the back of the truck. It's a 5 to 10% saving in fuel. We're wow. talking continuous supply of power. When the arrow was shot, the power stopped. There's no additional energy. Any energy you take out of it is energy you lost, is energy less on the penetration end. Now, a lot of people have the perceived idea that it's, they don't even think about the vein. It's all about the shaft with the crosswind signature. And it's, let's shoot that 166 because that'll really minimize um, uh, you know, ac you know, the, the drift when really the significant part 
is is the vein that you're shooting. Well, let me share experience with you. When I was shooting quick spin the very first time, I'm shooting an Indian XI. That tell you how old I am. <laughs> I was shooting the first quote unquote four inch quick spin with an 85 ring broadhead. I was shooting at a over 35 yard for me. The moment the arrow go forward, the moment the arrow caught the wind, the arrow goes sideways and slap the deer. <laughs> I say, this is the latest and greatest thing on this planet. Until later I find out the crosswind signature of a quick spin is closer to 12 inches. When you've got a 12 inch signature, that means now I've got a, I've got a parachute at the back of the arrow, that's about 12 inch in diameter, with only an 85 ring leading. So the moment the wind catch it, the whole thing just flipped. That is, that's where the cross signature is so critical. Now Blazer, I mean, to be fair, you, when, when I first saw Blazer, I didn't understand it. And with the help of Professor Salik, I understand the micro texturing of the Blazer is one of the most beneficiary of all modern veins. Now, Quickspin have tried to do something on that. Unfortunately, I don't think they get it right. <laughs> That's the reason the, because the crosswind signature pretty much tell me how good and bad a thing is supposed to perform. Well, with, with our wind tunnel testing, we find out that, now, this is going to blow your mind. With the AeroVing 2 that we have, which is like this right here, this is a larger model of it since we're doing video. That's one of the things in larger form. On a normal 240, uh, 246 shaft, the crosswind signature of this arrow going through the air, even at three, 400 feet per second, is about quarter inch from the tip of the vein. That's the size of the crosswind signature. And in the case of the arrow vein 3, because of winglet, and now anybody who has fly lately, winglet is one of the most misunderstood and now appreciated and money-saving features for all airplanes. As uh, I, I will quote Delta, they saved $1.2 billion a year on fuel based on the winglet they add to all their planes. Jeez. <laughs> they tell you. Wow. <laughs> now, in, in the case of the crosswind signature of AeroVing 3, the winglet plus 4 millimeter, that means this is the size of the crosswind signature you get with the AeroVing 3. In other words, when we talk wing, veins or wings or, or any form of feather, the moment you pass 260 feet per second, the crosswind signature become more and more critical. Okay. As you increase the speed, aerodynamic become the most important thing. As Dave did a lot of high-speed camera testing and hyper research for me, we found out that the crosswind signature is so critical, which is why... If you're able to find a broadhead or able to tune the bow correctly with this vein, we're talking at 130 yard, at 35 miles per hour wind, your arrow would not be a quarter to half inch off from where you aim. With a broadhead? No, no, no. Depends on the shape of the broadhead. Okay. Because see, when you say broadhead, everything goes out the window. Because now we need to save all this broadhead stuff in the broadhead section. Because you tell me, how many form and shape of broadhead are there and you tell me they are the same? No, we're talk, we're going, we, that's a rabbit hole so deep. It's not mm -hmm. a freaking rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a rabbit labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> so what, are we, are we to a point where we can talk about what led you to develop a vein? Oh, yes. First of all, um, I will tell you a history or the fun history. Of yeah, course. Air Vein 1. Oh, not yeah. Not many people realize that, but 
This is a two, that's a three. Right. There was an error vein one, which is oh, kind of comical. Yeah. Well, I figured that, see, this is how the whole error vein feet come about. I mean, of course, that, that dope incident in Martino State Park is so like, this is bad. Something's wrong. No, something's totally wrong. This is supposed to guide the arrow, make it spin, and then you get perfect penetration deep. Now I got an arrow slap the deer. No, no, I'm talking not, not, I'm not aiming off. We're talking the arrow going sideways and whip slap the deer on the side. Maybe, let me show you. It's slapping a deer this way. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? <laughs> but then I will talk about second incident, which is also lead me to it. I was hunting in Volo Box State Park, right in the entrance where the two what do you call it, a cross-country trail exit. I sit right there on the corner on that tree. Five o'clock in the morning, waiting for sun up at seven, lean back, a small owl fly sideways like this and landed right here. I said, shit, that's no sound. <laughs> and then it just go out. It looked at me and looked at me weird and go to this side, parked on this tree where my where quiver is. Turn up at me and say, are you stupid? That kind of look. <laughs> I said, damn, that thing moved without sound. My arrow was, because back then the quick swing would hit the blur. <laughs> now, to make things even worse, that afternoon I changed my spot, go to the backside of Volo Bog. I got the, 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 the full black rack 10 point standing right here with a doe and fawn right here. I'm shooting going downhill. I'm exactly about 25 feet up because I know my tree lounge. I'm looking at the airplane and the snow is going this way. And I was just thinking about the incident. I said, if I shoot a dead deer, I would slap it. <sighs> I would never make it. It's 35 yards for me. I should have shoot it with absolutely zero problem. Are you shooting a compound at this point? At that moment, shooting a compound. Believe me, I was shooting a Matthew Q2. That's how old it gets. <laughs> the frame was drifting. The deer is here. The doe is here. And the fawn is here. If there is no wind, I, would, I mean, I even go so far to shoot a mussy glue on four blade. I know I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. So after all this happened, I got, I got a chance to work with uh, uh, Jeff Bailey, which is a very good friend of mine and the pro staff of Finac. And you say, well, you know what? Let's go uh, think about how to improve on vein as all the boats are going 280 feet per second and up. Because at that moment, most people don't recognize it. They claim Q2 is shooting at 320 feet per second. Actuality, I'm lucky to get 280 out of it. Well, then I was thinking, okay, let's think about what we can do. Then I thought about everything and then the, the, the sort of the, the inventiveness of me coming in. I said, okay, let's, let's do an airfoil. And then we put a, a steering capability of plate on the back. So, yes, if you look at an aerofin one, it's two loops on it. The first one is an airfoil. The second one is a guiding rudder. What's an airfoil? An airfoil is, a, an airfoil is defined as a piece of material. When one side have a longer air travel distance than the lower side, okay. the difference of the two make that piece into an airfoil. Okay. So any piece of material that when, you, when the air passing through it, when it's straight, will cause the piece to lift. In other words, dealing with Bernoulli principle. See the distance of, just like if you curve your hand, okay? The this, this point to this point is the same distance. Mm -hmm. But the air have to go over this hump, which now have a longer travel. And the air from this point to this point is the same distance. The air is faster. Sure. So the faster side 
will now provide a force towards the, sl the, the slower side of air, will push over the faster side of air, cause this piece to go up. That's lift. Okay. Lift applied in any fluid, which means that both have, have, we have lift. But water will have lift. So if you have a boat that is humped more on one side and strict on the other side, the boat will always go towards the hump side. Same thing with the airplane. The top of the airplane have a longer distance for the air to travel compared to lower. The moment I, I was thinking, wow, this is pretty uh, good way of doing it because lift is a resulting force of air. Well, lo and behold, I mean, I built a wind tunnel test using four vacuums in a tube. I mean, it, it go crazy. We're talking four vacuums from a four-inch tube to a two-inch tube to a one-inch tube to provide me an airspeed about close to 185 miles per hour. I still had that video on, on Wammo, I think. That back, is that back in 2007. We found out the moment the air passing through it, there is no pressure on this part. So we put a pressure gauge on the end of the arrow. We're thinking that when you blow the air on it, there's going to be resistance, which is pushed towards the vein, right? Which means the vein is now going to apply the opposite pressure to the forward acceleration force. In the case of an airfoil, we see it minimum. But then at the same thing, is that using a circular lift process? Oh, no, let me, let me bring that back. Let me sort of tell people what circular lift process is. Most people, when you put veins on a shaft, each of the veins are offset. That means you are dragging each of the vein. The resulting of the, of the multi-factor drag causes the arrow to rotate. But if I use every single vein here, it's a lift, which means when, when the air hit here, the lift force is going to be here. When you have three even lift, the arrow will rotate. Okay. So in other words, that becomes what you call circular lift. That terminology was not used anywhere because the airfoil have never been used, quote-unquote, causing rotation of any flying projectiles. Well, which, of course, that's the reason that I own the patent to airfoil-based rotation on arrows. And that means anything that utilizes airfoil to turn will be infringed on my patent, and which is the reason there's no other thing out there that using lift. Now, what's the banner of lift? First of all, lift is a, is a resulting of a process, a phenomenon, based on the validity principle. That means when, as again, I say, when the air travel on the longer distance and the shorter distance between a piece of material, the longer distance travel will receive the lift from the opposite side. When you have three of them together, it will turn. I say, well, lift doesn't sound like much. Just think about it. That is the reason we're able to fly today with airplanes. Think about how much force it requires the airplane to fly against gravity. That's where airfoil is so wonderful. Now, this process is what helps Aerovane spin faster. Ridiculously fast. Yeah, and when you implement the concept system and stabilize the arrow and give it these lift characteristics, then we start to see benefits. Oh, the benefits is phenomenal benefit. First of all, let me, let me step back a little bit and sort of give you some idea what kind of rotation speed we're talking about. In case of feather and offset, 
a lot of times we're talking about eight to 12 turns in the first 20 yards with the, with the first five to six feet of the air, arrow turning. That's how much turning a normal vein or, 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 or feather-based projectile up to about 280 feet per second. Anything over that, whatever offset of every helical you put on it, is useless. Because, see, the more offset you put on, the more drag you got, the more FOS, um, the more dragging frontal force you need to make the arrow spin. Okay. But as the more you spin it, the more drag you got. So they're contra contra contradictory. So technically, if you look at a high-speed camera at any speed over 300 feet per second, I don't care how much offset, how much helical you put on the vein and how long it is, you're only going to end up with eight, 8 to 10 revolutions every 20 yards. And the number will only go low from there. That means at 500 feet per second, you put a 2-degree offset at 60 or 80 yards, you're lucky to get 8 revolutions every 20 yards. Wow. Why? Because at that moment, the drag factor is so serious, you will slow your arrow down easily by 12 to 15% per 20 yards from the normal conditions. That means just on the drag factor alone. Now, remember, we have other factors. We're talking drag factor only okay. from, a no, from a no vein to with vein. When you start adding those, the number get ridiculous. So arrow vein uses lift. Correct. For, for, for rotational lift. What do other, what, like the blazer vein, like what does that use? They're not, well, I want to make a point here, and I think, think you'll uh, agree that anything else as far as helical is not really a winglet, which you, your process, you're literally putting a wing on the arrow, which they need drag to induce In other words, 100% friction-based. Sure. Yeah. When you use friction-based, now, that, remember, when you deal with friction, the entire piece of material, just like when you hold a piece of paper, you blow air on it. As long as they are reasonably parallel, you got that. Mm -hmm. Remember, when it's doing that, it's robbing energy, creating sound. The more offset you got, the more you get. Because remember, even when you put drag on it, the piece of material is parallel on both sides. Mm -hmm. The turbulence on one side to the other, which exists even in aerovane, but one is guided, the other is not. You've got microsurface turbulence on both sides now. Okay. Which means that you've got continuous drag on both sides. Now, let me go back to the original Aerovane 1. It's sort of funny what I did. I make the mold, put the airfoil in the front and, and the rudder in the back, and I go ahead and polish the mold to extreme by paying more money. The first time I got the, got the vein and bring to Professor Selig, and he was holding my vein. He was touching the vein. You say, why is it so smooth? I say, so it can glide through the air. <laughs> you look at me and check out. You know, you're flying, right? Yes. It don't work in aerodynamics. What, what do you mean by it don't work? He say, the smoother the surface of, a, of an airfoil, the more it stick to the wind. It creates sur surface drag. That is five to ten times of what you, when you have texture on it. Oh, wow. You're actually adding friction. You yeah. add humongous amount of friction. Well, That's then you pretty say, opposite of what you think. That means every time you've, 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 you put smoothness on any airfoil, you kill it. <laughs> I think in the automotive injury, someone like the hoods on some of these cars actually designed to ripple 
to deflect okay. when, if that makes sense to some people. Exactly. Now, truth is same thing. Just like, I mean, of course, aerodynamics, most people don't go with that high speed. But the moment of the new sailboat, that's superb performance sailboat, they got the shark skin, text, shark skin texture, right? That is to control the boundary layer, separate, boundary layer separation. That is supposed, so that the air cannot stick to it. Okay. You want air to grab one so the air itself can be one ball bearing so the other can grow over it. This is the reason why, vein, uh, why the first blazer works so well because it got micro texture on the vein compared to other companies. Some companies, I don't think they really understand aerodynamics like me. Mm-hmm. So stupidly, when look at oh, it's so smooth. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> make it smooth, make it so you can fly faster. No. Aerodynamic, don't do it that way. So I try to point out that if you don't work with people who know the subject, even even reasonably well-educated guy like me would make me stick like this. It's, it sounds so stupid. It's not even funny. He say, just think about it. If you have a golf ball that's perfectly round, it won't even fly through. You'll go in and fly left and drop. Golf ball's a great point. Yeah, because yep. they're all like pitted. all the dimples. Correct. Yep. And just like cell, you don't want super smooth cell. You want a cell with ripples on it. That's pretty much the reason why vein is such a complicated subject. You, you, the more you understand what the vein does, the more you appreciate it. The ancient time when people throw a vein on it. But right now, with the speed that we're dealing with, anything... Now, let me start giving you an idea how aerodynamic kicked in. At 280 feet per second, that's way too much of the cutoff point, in my opinion. At least at the testing we did. Vein is sort of okay. The moment it hit about 280, it starts showing its rear end. The moment you go into 280, then you move up to all the way to about 315 feet per second. 315 feet per second is where it becomes critical because that's where aerodynamic really becomes the dominant factor. Remember, the word dominant is critical here because he... In the old days, when you just like when you don't shoot over a 280 feet per second, all the discussion of vein shaft dynamics and stuff like that don't matter. But the moment you pass 280, that becomes sort of important. At 315, it becomes the dominant factors, which also explains why a lot of people, when they shoot the thin shaft with a heavy FOC, the moment they shoot those, when the arrow is recovering, now remember. No matter what projectile we flies, Newton's second law applies. When the frontal part stays solid because there's so much mass in it, the shaft is going to flex irregularly because it's no longer the back node. Every time the shaft moves off its center point, the vein behaves like a fan on it. Now, what is your crosswind signature? No longer based on the vein alone, isn't it? Now your shaft, six yeah. inches become your 14, 15 inch. That's significant. And then what happened to your forward momentum? To make things worse, if you've got a good vein, like four inch feather and that speed, that entire parachute effect, I'm not backward drag effect on the vein, will cause your arrow front to not hold true. So we got the, the veins over here. Uh, maybe you should discuss on this. These are a higher, uh, higher speed rotational flight vein. Yes. Can you explain maybe just some of the difference between just say 
a blazer vein, an AV2 vein, and an error vein 3 as far as spin at oh. just, select, just say, we'll just pick 350 feet per second. Okay, good. The error vein 2 will start spinning 3 inch in front of the arrow of the bow. Now remember, I said blazer at any offset at 350 feet per second. Don't turn until it's 3 to 5 feet in front of the bow. We'll give you 8 to 12 revolution for the first 20 yards. From 60 to 80, we'll give you 8 to 10 revolution. Aerofing 2 will start spinning at three, in, 3 to 4 inches to make the first rotational formation. Sure. It will do 60 to 90. And in case of 350, what he said, you'll get 90 revolution in the first 20 yards. At 60 to 80, we're looking at about 120 revolution in that 60 to 80. In case of Aerofing 3, it's about just under three inch, more like two and a half inch. Aerofing 3 will begin to rotate. The first 20 yard, we're looking at 90 revolution. At 350 feet per second, from 60 to 80 yard, it's doing 300 plus revolution in every 20 yards. So wait a minute. That's 30 plus times more than a blazer, or in the case of ammo. Another thing, at 350 feet per second, if you shoot feather, the feather has zero effect because the feather will compress mm -hmm. and the feather won't come back out until the arrow speed drops down to about 280 feet per second. Then the vein comes out, then will do its job. Sure. Because anything over there, the, the, vein, the, the, the feather on normal condition, 100% collapse. Sure. So it's nothing more than a clump of material going through the air. I, well, I think one thing to point out is uh, these, these numbers are based on our, our arrow builds yeah. with a concept system. Um, had it not be, like I got a lot of guys that might want just to put, put on arrow vein threes, but it's on a standard arrow with, you know, just insert. It might not be really well built. And it could actually work backwards, the process. Oh, okay. let me sort of show you numbers again. If you've got a Bison Burger with a Boning Platinum Plus, putting three blazer on an arrow. First of all, did anybody know that the blazer is not 120 degree even? No, the Bissenberger is not 120 degree even. I didn't know that. When you rotate that three, notice the third notch. The arrow actually flipped like this way. Because the Bissenberger was designed to use on a Mako knock with a 2219. So the moment when you flip to the third one, the Mako knock with the space behind it, the arrow will flip this way. So right on the get-go, you are adding about three to four degree of oh, off. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that when you look at a Bissenberger index, it's not 120, 120, 120, but 120, 118, and 122 mm. to help them. So if you use a Bissenberger to fudge your arrow, that's your first number off. So that's a big no-no right out of the gate. Well, remember, this is a circular lift. If I have that, that means the arrow, when they rotate, I don't have a center point in the, anymore, isn't it? Yeah. So if this is 120, this is 118, this is 122, this arrow is going to rotate like this, Sure. not this. Yeah. Now, next thing you know, if you use a Bissenberger with a Bowling Plantillum Plus, which is a glue, on a two-inch blazer, your purving glue is between 0 0.8 to 1.5 grain of glue. Per vein. Okay. Now, think through it. That means every single vein have a 0 0.5, 50% weight variance. Sure. And if you have weight that's not distributed correctly and you try to rotate it, what do you get? 
you call it off-center rotational. Mm-hmm. Then if the, the moment you increase spin speed, those become more and more critical. That's the reason why I come with Aerovin in 2008. I have to make Aerovin jig in 2009 because we just cannot get it to stick right or fly right. Remember, we're dealing with most guys who shoot normal ball. At that moment, most of the guys shoot 290 feet per second consider speed ball, mm-hmm. which is nowhere close to what we're doing in this crossbow. I mean, the actual fact is that you can shoot a 10.505 at 520 feet per second. What do you think the drag factor and the rotational factor of this is going to be? Significant. Exactly. It's to the point of ridiculous. Then, how do you... I mean, think about it. Just on, Let me sort of guide people who love the blazer, which I think is a fantastic vein. If the weight of the vein is critical, let me give you a hint of how off it is. If you shoot two blazer in clear and your coughing is blazer American flag, do you know the weight difference? No. It's 100%. Really? Yes. It's a 100% weight difference. Some of the, the blazers are even shorter and longer. <laughs> because they, they're die cut. Now, you need to understand when you deal with the blazer, the blazer is an extruded die cut vein. That means you've got a piece of material going through a die cut, going through the extrusion process, and a die cutter is cutting that. That means how thick, how thin of that blazer is part of the process. Yeah. And when you start throwing... Paint, like American flag, tiger bomb, and so on. That's weight. Yeah. But you also, since they're hot metal on it, you also create micro texture, uneven texture on each of those. So if you want an arrow to spin right, all three has to be 100% identical, even on drag. As you go higher and higher in speed, it becomes more and more critical. Now, this, this spin rate going higher, can you explain what that has to do with and probably going to be in relation to concept system we're going to probably dive down the gyroscopic procession rabbit hole yes which i think is i mean that's really where the benefit of these veins come in is how we're getting this arrow down range not only quietly but we start getting lift characteristics over the whole arrow absolutely before, before you answer that can you like Dumb down the benefit of more revolutions oh, to that's where that's where actually the okay. more yeah. revolution okay. It's not better if you shoot a specific loved broadhead. Remember, all the broadhead, all the traditional broadhead, even the new generation broadhead, you need to look at the crosswind signature of that broadhead before you put a high-speed vein on it. That's reason it is much easier to use ordinary veins. Basically, you control the drag, which is known factor, onto a broadhead that's known. By not having rotation, that actually is much easier. Just like the first arrow wing and arrow wing two. All my, all my dealers who started this loved it until they put a broadhead on it. Mm-hmm. Because now the vein is trying to turn. The broadhead is trying to prevent it from turning. Now you've got an arrow shaft that is connected to both ends. You've got two masters with one slave. That's the reason arrow wing is not for anybody, for most people, until they understand what they're looking for. The fact is that arrow vein and concept arrows are really not needed by most until they pass the 280 feet per second mark. That's the reason most people don't recognize this. Because he, but then in the crossbow world, <laughs> who shoot under 350 feet per second? No one. Yeah. Even the lowest like R10 with the heavy weight, you still shoot over 350. Sure. Aerodynamic is a big deal. Now, let me talk, let me talk about people say, wait, when you rotate so much, wouldn't you lose energy? 
Remember, we are not using drag, which is a continual loss of power. Mm -hmm. We're using lift. Lift is a resulting of a phenomenon. That is no, I mean, think about it. If drag factor will work, I mean, one of the best examples, think about it. When you go to Cancun, play your parachute, and you go up in the air, that's based on drag. So that you push the air into the parachute, the parachute put down, the air come down, you stay there. But that is a continuous input of power to keep you up there. Mm -hmm. So in case of a drag-based system, it's a continuous robbing of power. But in case of aerovink, it's a resulting of a phenomenon that is not a continuous robbing of power. Why do you think a glider can stay so long in air? Same deal. We're using the aerodynamic efficiency and the aerodynamic phenomenon to keep the arrow spinning. Now, I know there's some, there's some people out there that are, you know, they're, they're going to be like, ah, if you spin the arrow faster, it's going to get worse. And I just want to make the point that because of the way we build the arrows with the concept system, we're able to stabilize the shaft to where when we do spin the arrow faster, it becomes beneficial Correct. instead of a, a hindrance. When you spin an arrow to a certain speed, like in case of Arrowing 3, I'll just give you a rough thing before we go. This is how the arrow travels with a normal vein. This is how the arrow travels with the arrow veins. Mm. That means the moment you hit the pinnacle, the arrow vein base arrow at any distance will always hit the target perpendicularly. We're talking 150 to 200 yards. If you shoot an arrow at a target, remember in Olympic, everybody is like this, so the arrow can hit it. With arrow vein base arrow at any distance, yes, it's at any distance, the arrow hit the target perpendicularly. Which is huge. Yes. Think about it. If you are shooting an animal that's far away from you, say 90, 100 yards, you shoot heavy FOC, slow speed arrow. The arrow is coming out like this. The angle gets sharper and sharper. If you hit the animal straight like this, you thought of aiming at the heart, you're going below the heart now. Yep. Because the animal at any time is going to stand straight. No animal is going to lift like Sign right. itself this way. And Even then it could shoot up and down. Theoretically, it would probably get worse if you were in, eleva in, in elevated Correct. position. Correct. Well, what's that do on crosswind signature, too? Because now you have the crosswind signature. Not only do you have side drag, but now you have wind hitting you on this part of the shaft. You got all kinds of stuff happening you yeah. didn't think of. So this eliminates a lot of where you got point and minimal crosswind signature, which is like barely anything on the on the aerovines compared to the others. Sure. Um, but that... That lift, the way we're able to keep that up there for do this right, is uh, it it applies torque out to the end of the arrow, so we're able to keep it flat instead of have that dive down there. So that's where we're able to maintain um, the arrow being more uh, horizontal. Correct. The arrows are always maintained horizontal, which means your longer distance shot. Now, this is another part that a lot of people didn't recognize which I didn't recognize too, because most arrow, when they calculate kinetic energy or impact, it's based on mass times speed. Mm -hmm. What happens when you have rotational mass? It becomes an energy storage device. That automatically, based on whatever formula you got, just adds seven to 9% to the energy. Because it's rotating so much. Not just that, it's a rotational mass. Sure, yeah. Just like when you put a top together, the top only have that weight, but that rotation, for you to stop that, I got you. You need to overcome that energy. Okay. So the arrow is not is now storing the energy 
and maintain the energy as it flies. So actually, the flying process is actually so losing energy to the, to the surrounding through flex of the arrow, through drag of the arrow, through parabolic section of the arrow shaft. All of those, in the case of arrowing with high rotation, with arrow concept that you can, you can force the arrow to have less parabolic action, that whole thing become a storage device. I mean, this gets so crazy, but the moment you understand why every single facet come together and play, now, which is also why, like in, our, in the final Aerobo G, at 100 yards, of course, yes, that's a high FOC design, but it's also an extremely high, low parabolic reaction. At 100 yards, it loses 2% energy. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. On, just so you know, that's based on the calculation, excluding rotational mass. So it's actually, if you include rotational mass, it would actually gain energy. Y yes. In theory. But people say, wait a minute, that sounds like it's over 100%. I say in most cases, when you push down to the arrow, the whole pushing process is energy loss. But as an arrow going through the parabolic action, that's losing energy. The arrow concept, and that is picking that up. With the normal setup, how much energy is lost at that distance? This is what we have done. Back in 2014, when Rod White was, us was doing, based on his uh, original broomstick project, we know that a 65% a of bow at 60 yards, in normal condition, is 18% energy loss. That's the norm. The moment you go 80% off on the same shaft, is 38 I'll give you an idea, and I, I'm not sure if we talked about this before on maybe one of the other uh, podcasts, but um, when Rod did his video, um, uh, he called it the boomstick, but it was a rampage arrow, I think it was. Yeah, the rampage arrow. The concept arrow system arrow, arrow veins. Um, he, he tested it against all other match weight arrows, and at 50 yards, the boomstick arrow was going, I think it was 29 feet per second faster than all other arrows of the same weight. And it's like, you know, sometimes when you first start telling people that, well, that can't be because the arrows, it's just physics. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but, you know, when I, was, when I was doing some of my tests and I was realizing that, wow, these arrows are flying flatter, I would go on, um, uh, what's the um, archery target software? On, on target? On target, On target, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I, I ditched that in a trash can because if you came, you couldn't use it. I had, you know, I had a boat at a time was shooting around 300 feet per second, and for me to to get the make sense out of the drop that I was getting, I think it was like 40 or 45 yards, I had to compute in a number of like 380, 385 feet per second to make it make sense. Wow! But we're and not like, both shooting 300 feet per second. Yeah. Then but the arrow was behaving like it was flying at 380 feet per second at 50 yards. I wow. think that's a good point to uh, make is how these arrows carry. Correct. Versus when you go from a blazer to AV2 With the to an concept. AV3, then we circle on AV or uh, concept system 1 to 1.0. On how these handle downrange to the target, the further you get downrange, the more significant this becomes because we're is. able to retain more energy from the bow. And I think we used this term before as ballistic launch coefficient. We're able to retain this and put it downrange where you need it as to where when you look at the archery industry as a whole, all these sales points of the bow manufacturers, et cetera, they're all selling on launch, launch speed. The right. bow does 350 feet per second out of the, out of the gates. When we're looking at it is 
What's it doing downrange at 30, 40, 50, 60 Which yards? Which is what matters. That's, exactly. that's where the animal is because nobody's really shooting at a deer right here. Right. I mean, there's probably that 0.02%, sure. but you're shooting a deer at 20, 30 yards. Some of the guys with our technology, you know, the technology that we're putting to the bows, they're starting to stretch their legs out, and they're seeing that the benefits. No longer do we have to say that or take that mentality that's been drained in us that we have to be a 20-yard shooter. Right. Don't shoot a deer over 20. Because that was, that was told to me when I was a kid. And in a sense, that's correct based on that technology that we really haven't evolved on in arrows till fire knock. Yeah, because when George was shooting deer back then, he was slapping them with the arrow. <laughs> Right, exactly. he, had to start it. he had to try and knock the you know knock the deer out versus shoot through it. There's yeah. a difference. I see. This is where I think a lot of people really need to. I think hopefully the guys are really with the good shooters would do that. They need to put their chronograph at fifty yards and let the arrow pass through it mm-hmm. to see what the actual speed of the arrow is. Because people about two things, not just the speed. We need to look at when the arrow at fifty yards. Is the arrow hitting target this way, this way, or this way? Sure. And then the next thing we look at it, at this moment, when the target hit the arrow, how much it penetrates. Mm-hmm. Because, see, remember, in most cases, the moment you change your field point profile, the penetrate will change. Mm-hmm. Since recent, you know, if you are old enough like me, you remember the days of when satellite was making their satellite Titan broadheads. So what did they do, number one thing? They give people broadhead tuning tips, which is about this long, two inch long. And that two inch long is where it make the difference. Because the longer the broadhead, the higher the speed, the worse it gets. And in terms of the swing blade, that's kind of like the reason why we came out with a mechanical, to be able to benefit with the, especially the Aerovain 3, because you know, there was a lot of guys, well, I want to shoot mechanicals with Aerovain 3, and we're like, well, you got to really try that because it's, odds are it's not going to happen, especially, you know, 20, 30 yards, you can get away with a lot. As soon as you start getting over 30 yards, well, you're going to find out what a bad broadhead is, how good it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That that becomes very critical because, see, at that moment, you're not talking speed of the arrow. You're also talking about the the torque of the arrow able to apply. Now you need to ask yourself, if I put a power drill on the back of my arrow and when that broadhead hit the meat, what is that broadhead going to behave like if it's rotating high? Mm-hmm. Remember, we're not talking twice as high. Yeah. We, see, at 80 yards, a blazer will give you 10 rotation, and Aerovin 3 will give you 300 revolution every 20 yards. I mean, until you actually see the result. I mean, the good thing is that David did enough high-speed test. Just like when we show the people on our... Uh, our, what do you call it, our cook bottle, which is only five inch long. The vein make two turns in that space. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, you can't lie on a high-speed camera. We're not that good to, to doctor the ability of a high-speed camera. Yet. I mean, sure. we shot, I shot an arrow. It was a 2.0 concept system. Um, at 445 grains, I think it was next to a 420 grain factory. Mm-hmm. The only thing that had fire knock on the factory arrow was the, the arrow point and the, and the knock. Okay. And all the way down, all the way down the range, starting at like 50, 100, and I, I ended at 120. Yes. But it would be significant. Actually, to, in, in, in the early stages, in I think it was like 20 or 25 yards, 
the heavier 2.0 system shot two inches lower. And this is all using the same crosshair. Uh-huh. But at 50 yards, it made up eight inches. Oh, wow. Six over, over the factory arrow. When we, at the end of the day, when we got to 120 yards, that 2.0 system that was 25 grains heavier shot 24 inches higher than the factory arrow. 24 inches. 24 inches. And you got to ask yourself, not only do we got to have higher impact, it's flying better. So the overall the dynamics of the energy. arrow is just going to be better. You're going you're gonna to hit, hit harder. It's going to deliver more energy. We've got less effect when we start talking variable wind conditions because you got to figure when you have most of the people, when they go to sight in their boat, they, you know, you're in like maybe the summertime, you're sighting in on that perfect day, there's no wind. Then you get to um, November, it's rut. You took that week off to go hunting, you're hunting. Yep. If it's 20 mile an hour wind, you're in it. You're, you're in it, right? So the idea is that we want to get the arrow flying better and crosswind everything downrange to the target and to deliver maximum energy. And that's where we become more ethical. Um, and, and, and the shot is what we're doing. It's, and it's, that's ultimately what every hunter wants is to have a better ethical shot for the animal. Now, remember yeah. what Dave said. is based on a 300 feet per second factory on the same length. The new arrow is Arrow Concept 2.0. With arrow wing three. But well, that's crossbow, actually, that one. Oh, that's 380 right. feet. 380, 380 feet, feet per 380. second crossbow. Sorry, I was thinking you're shooting your blade. The, no, no, no. That, that actually, the, the, that was, when I was first testing the 2.0 system in vertical bow, the 20-yard zero, which I could say just hit an egg with, if I use that pin at 45 yards, if I hold my form right, I'm dropping about five to six inches. Okay. That which is significant. The yeah, oh, yeah. We're talking. <laughs> I mean, five, five to six inches is about the size of a deer's heart. Yeah. So with the discrepancy of that, gonna... you know how much guesswork that takes out for the hunter to say, do I put my twenty-yard pin on it, my thirty-yard pin on, or my forty? When I can just say, you know, if you practice, your shooting ability is good enough. I'm not going to take zero to forty on this pin. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that that's like for <laughs> us at Exodus. That's the biggest selling point on these arrows as deer hunters or elk hunters or whatever. Like, you have one pin from zero to 40 yards, and you just shoot the deer. Well, I mean, let me put this in perspective here. You're out there. You know the deer's at 25, the regular setup. You're going to put your 20-yard pin on it. You're allowing for a little bit of mistake on it. Deer walks another four or five strides all the way. He's at 32, and you're sitting there guessing, you're contemplating. Yep. You start making mistakes based on you thinking you're making mistakes. Yeah. And now we got a huge error, and you're maybe you're sitting in a tree with a little bit of wind that on top of your holdover, your Kentucky windage, you got a tree that's moving. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? So there's there's other mistakes over here that when you start adding these factors in, it's like wow. There's a lot to consider, and if we can cut that down on the arrow end of it, it's chewing. Yeah, the amount of opportunity that you're going to have is going to be exponentially better. I mean, think better. about it. That was the deer I chased. Remember the, eight, the, eight, the big 10-point black horn? I oh, he'd about? be dead. He'll be dead, so dead. <laughs> I mean, just to, on your wall. just to give you an idea, Doors Den was shooting which, with equipment that archers would tell me, well, that's simple to understand equipment. That's easy. You guys got complicated stuff. Uh-huh. And... It's, it, it ends up being a logical fallacy because our complicated stuff 
is designed to make things easier. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of technology that goes into this. I mean, if it was that easy, Blazor would have been doing it before. Right. But what we have here is we're, you know, George has got an extensive background, talks to the right people, and we're able to uh, get, get stuff out there for shooters that they can have an easier time with shooting in the woods. All the technological stuff, we got it covered. We help educate people like this. And um, well, I, let me I bring think that's back a key a little point. Bit. Because a lot of people say, oh, I wouldn't use aerofane. No, don't do that. What the first thing you do is to educate yourself. What does the component system do? Mm-hmm. What does Vane do? What's the Concept 1 do? What does insert do? What does knock do? What does fuel point do? Understand that first. And I would tell people, I'll say, oh, I built Arrow for the last 30 years. Yep, you're telling me for the last 40 years you are a, you are a good carriage, ca- carriage driver. You know how to surface an electric vehicle? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what the board on do. Yeah. I mean, but just like me, I have to learn every single thing. Like when I come with Aerovane, I thought that I could use Joe Jen, Biss and Burger. I add tools to it. Nope, ain't going to work. I thought that I, too. Until I put Aerovane <laughs> Jake out. Then I figured, oh, I would just get it done right. When Jim was sending me the 425 feet per second crossbow, nothing works. Then I had to come up with arrow concept. Then arrow insert A, arrow insert H. I mean, as we start moving to like 470, when I see the, 50, uh, the 500 feet per second scorpion coming out, I say, oh my God, <laughs> I need to do something about arrow shaft. Because like we talk about the arrow shaft capability, how the, the torsion, the, uh, the parabolic action of the shaft and so on, everything of it, it become a problem. So now we have to do all of the above. And yes, I would say if you're really into it, get yourself a dealer that you can trust and let him guide you. If not, do a lot of studying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that treat it as fun. I mean, yes, you're going to get a lot of basic physics principle, but that's important. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's key to all of this. Yeah, that's the reason, you know, when you're dealing with aerofueling to aerofueling, yes, a lot, a lot of people ask me, how come aerofueling is always straight? I say, no, aerofueling need to be straight fledged as long as we, in aerofueling 2 is 280 feet per second. Aerofueling 3 is 260 feet per second. The moment you go below that speed, Lift is no longer an, a possibility. Sure. That's the reason you offset Aerovane 2 or Aerovane 3 on speed that's lower because at low speed, lift do not happen. Okay. You need to use drag. Okay. Which is offset, helical, you name it. You have sure. to do that. Sure. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Is there anything else you want to cover? We're going on here on an hour. I do. We do not iron these in. I have lots <laughs> How do you get them in there? Uh, we just I'll take an iron. <laughs> no, Put it in there you, mean, I, you mean the the winglet? The, 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 yeah. the winglet. Yeah. Every piece. Um, let me throw. People know how serious this is. Every piece of Aeroving two and every single piece of Aeroving three is single cavity, single mode. That means every single vein I ever sold since day one for each of the vein come out of the same identical mode. Yeah, it's huge. One at a time. That's huge. Aeroving two have a weight variance of all colors. A 0.1 variance grain. Aeroving 3 is 0.06 grain. Wow. Even now, the glue process is like zero, no, uh, 0.03 yeah, or something, right? Use, no, 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 no. If you use my jig and my glue, you, you actually put down 0.03 grain of glue per vein. Okay. And in nine seconds, it takes 680 pounds to put it off. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, yeah, you can... <laughs> 
you, you got you to cut it. I mean, you can sit there with pliers and try and yank them off. It's, if, it, if you did the uh, prep work right on it, glue it, Yeah. I mean, even in like five to six seconds, it's, I yeah, have. it's you're cutting it off. I mean, you know, Jim Burnsworth, when he was in my office a That's few years ago. That's a great video. Yeah, he was trying to use it, pull it with a plier. <laughs> You'll have. rip the vein before you take it off the arrow. Yeah. I have six, seven arrows out of my last dozen that are just lost a vein from shooting it. <laughs> Not with this. Now, a lot of people need to understand when they go to cold weather, this is one thing that a lot of people say, oh, Dodge, I shot a negative four. I shot through an animal or the vein broke. I say, just think about it. If you fly an airplane into a forest, how many vein, how many wings you got? Yeah. Yeah, right. When this thing going through an animal, remember, this is, eight, uh, no, you do not know that. I'm going to tell you that. This is based on 89 drometer plastic. This is an air force. It's hard. When you go toe temperature, when you fly through an animal, that shock is going to break this. It is not going to break it in flight, but it's going to break when you shoot through an animal. Which but at after that point, that, do you, does it matter? Right. At that point, the deer's dead, and you go buy a new arrow. No, you just refletch it. Oh, you may not know. When, we, when you buy arrow vein fletching, Jake, we have laser-guided system. We put the vein back within, a, within one sixteen of a degree. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, just put a new fletching it on it. Just it's, it, it. It's a great system. It take, it's a knowledge-based system. Um, but it's the, the benefits. When you understand it and then go to shoot it, so much more helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, as as uh, as Jake always likes to say, educated on any educated consumer is going to have a better experience. Exactly, and that's, that's what this provides. Very simple. I mean, just like cooling process. I mean, I said already, if you got a Bisson burger with a boning plant plus, you're going to put zero point eight to one point five grain. We are putting zero point zero three grain of glue on it. Yeah, that's I mean, like nothing. Okay, the numbers. Yeah, one point five over zero point zero three. Yeah. That's a lot, yeah. That's 500%, 5,000% difference. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a good spot to leave off. We've gone, absolutely, up, gone absolutely. An, an hour here. I mean, um, when you come on the YouTube, I think uh, a lot of people got a lot of questions. I'll try my best to answer. Sure, yeah. They'll be. This video will be on Fire Knock TV's YouTube channel. It'll also be on Exodus Trail Cameras' YouTube channel. So, What's, uh, uh, what's next that... Um Hopefully pop. more veins, because I have more vein questions. Definitely. I mean, the vein is a very complicated issue, because people say, why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? Remember, it's like, you think, oh, I've got the big best airfoil. So you can't put an F-16 airfoil on a Hercules, and vice versa. Sure. The airfoil have to work with the fuselage. Think about it. Your shaft is your fuselage. This is your airfoil. It's your wings. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds good, guys. Well... We got to get ready for the show. Last day here. Been a long day. You sure long, is. Long week. So let's have a good show, and we will talk to you guys next time. Yep. All right. Good See to you. be here.